I invite you to turn with me in your copy of the scripture this morning to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. As you are turning there, let me just make a quick announcement. Um, yesterday, our missions team was able to uh, participate in the Gus Macker and uh, hopefully make some, some profit. We did some, some pretty good things, and, uh, but we have some, some food left over, and so we'd like to offer you lunch. If you would like to get a cream chicken sandwich on your way out today, uh, they'll be outside. You don't even have to stay. You can just on your way out to your car, almost like drive through You know what I mean? Um, just like drive through Walking out to your car, you just pick up whatever you want and hit the road, all right? Um, there's some cream chicken sandwiches that'll be out there, some chips, dessert, that kind of thing. Um, if you'd like to take that and, and go ahead and, and uh, take that home for lunch, we encourage you to do that. If you would like to give a donation uh, toward the missions trip, you can do that. The missions team, uh, there'll be a, a little thing out there. But uh, please help yourself, take sandwiches, take stuff, and uh, um, enjoy that, uh, that particular thing. We want you to have lunch on us if you'd like to have that with those cream chicken sandwiches. I've sampled them. They're good. <laughs> All right, just so you know. Um, I've, I've sampled them, and, and they're good. So uh, help yourself. Be a part of that, and uh, thank you so much. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Father, today I just ask for the Spirit of the Lord to speak to us, that, Lord, you would just encourage us today and spur us, God, towards you. Um, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Love that first part of that passage. I'm going to give just a little bit of, of context with it. Hebrews is a book that is written, the, the audience of the book of Hebrews is uh, Jewish Christians. And these were folks that were still living in Jewish culture and Jewish tradition and and so when you read verse 19 and it says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that was something that was very important to a Jewish person. Because you see, the most holy place was that place in the temple where only one person could go into. And that was the pre a high priest, and that only once a year. 
But check out what he says here. This, this writer of Hebrews says that we now have the confidence. We can enter into this most holy place. That was the place that the presence of God was. That was the place where, where the, the people would, the presence of God would manifest himself in this most holy place. But now we have that same confidence to know that we can go there as well. A new and living way is open through the curtain. There was a big, thick curtain that would keep uh, the high priest and, and the people away from the presence of God. It was, it was a, a hugely thick curtain. And on the, on the one day of the year when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and in the most holy place and, and he would perform what, what was necessary for the covenant to be fulfilled, what would take place is they would tie a rope around his ankles. And if they would have bells on his garment. And as long as they heard the bells jingling, that means he was moving. Because if he would do something wrong in the most holy place, because it would be a sin unto the Lord, God would strike him dead right there. And if the bells quit ringing, the high priest was in trouble. And nobody else could go in there, so how would they get him out? Well, that's what the rope was for. They would pull him out. Could you imagine being in there and you're, you're, you couldn't get a candle lit and your bells wouldn't, you couldn't ring the, and all of a sudden somebody starts pulling on your leg? I'm all right. You know, you know I'm hope. Come on, candle. Like, you know, you want to ring, keep the bells ringing so nobody pulls on it. But now there's a better way, praise the Lord. A way that all of us can enter in by the, the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. And he says this in, in verse 22. He says, because of this great sacrifice, because of this awesome opportunity that you have, that the presence of God is not just with us anymore, but he's in us, because you have this great opportunity, he says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with full assurance that, bring, that having faith brings. That we can come near to God. That it's not just the high priest anymore, but it's all of us that can experience the presence of God in our life. Let us hold unswervingly to that hope that we profess. Why? Because the one who promised it is faithful. He's faithful. Today, I want us to focus the rest of our attention on verse 24. Verse 24 says this. I'm going to read it again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Have you ever been provoked to anger? Pastor Black gave a wonderful illustration of that just a few moments ago. Being kicked out of EBS. Somebody got provoked of anger. He provoked someone to anger and they tossed him out. Right? <laughs> By the way, we don't encourage that in our, our VBS experience. Probably all of us have had that experience at one time or another. It usually involves someone deliberately working hard to get under our skin. 
to not only show contempt for us, but to hope for a response to kind of move us to lose it. Anybody ever had anybody do that? Don't look at your spouse. It's not good. Don't do that. Don't point fingers. <laughs> we kind of feel like in, in such cases, that person who can do that and get that kind of reaction from us, they feel like they're the ones in control. I feel like they're the ones who are powerful. But what if we did this in reverse? Instead of provoking or spurring one another on toward evil deeds or anger or hatred, what if we spurred one another on toward emotional strength? What if we spurred one another on in our walk with God? What if we spurred one another on with love? This passage here in, in, in verse 24, it talks about those very things that together we should come and spur and contribute to one another so that we can lift up each other in the body of Christ. There's a story that's told of a heavy bronze bell that had sunk into a river in China. The bell was uh, the efforts by engineers to raise it up out of this river, man, they just couldn't do it. And, and so the, a native, one of the native priests asked for permission to make an attempt on one condition to get the bell out of the river, and that's if they could put the bell in their temple, in their, in their house of worship. And they agreed, and so he got his assistants together, and they got a huge number of bamboo rods. And these hollow light rods, they're practically unsinkable. And so they would get all of these rods together, and the divers would take them down one by one, and they would fasten them to the bell. And after many um, thousands of going down and attaching a bunch of those, all of a sudden the bell begins to move and eventually comes up to the surface. They actually lifted this enormous weight, massive bronze, by the accumulated rods that were given to this bell. You may think that your bamboo rod is too small and too light to make a difference, but it's a necessity in God's sight to help lifting souls to God. And it lends strength to other people. So let's look at this passage again. The author here uses this word spur, or and maybe your translation says provoke. Normally we think of that in a negative connotation, don't we? Provoking one another toward anger. Um, this may indicate that maybe the, in, in this particular setting, the believers were already provoking one another negatively. Maybe they were, instead of building one another up, they were pointing out their sins. You know, sometimes we think we're helping people by doing that. You know, I love you, but you're just terrible. <laughs> you know. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's how we do things, isn't it? It's how we spur one another on. It's how we encourage and provoke one another, right? 
If I got a prod out and, and you know, started whipping and beating, and yeah, I'm going to get eventually, you know, it, it's going to happen. But how many of you know it's a lot easier if I put my arm around and say, come on, let's work through this together. Let's work through this together. But a lot of times we take that word spur, we take that word provoke, and it's got this negative connotation to it. And so instead of having that same sort of energy to do good that we do to do bad, we all of a sudden, we just yeah, provoke, I'm going to spur. You know, we think of like cattle spurs. I'm going to spur that person on. They're, they're underneath my ministry. <laughs> right? And the problem is we do more harm than we do good. Let's spur one another on toward love and good Deeds. Uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says this in a, in a very pastoral way. He, he says this in, in verse 24. He says, let us. No one's exempt. He includes himself in this. It's not just aimed at the congregation. It's, it's all of us. It's all of us as believers to be cognizant of our own actions toward other people, not to provoke them to evil, but to spur them toward good. Have a discipline of our life. Have a discipline of our, of our love for one another. That we would take notice on how we interact with each other. That we would help people down a path of love and not a path of hurt. That the attitude and the action that we would be taking would be viewed as a lens on how it will affect other people. That we would move down toward this ability of building people up and not tearing people down. And there's a passage in Scripture that I, I want to read. It's in um, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is talking here. And I think sometimes there's more to it as, as I'm finding out, um, as I keep studying the word, when, when Jesus talks, there's, a lot of times there's more to it than what the, just the surface. The, he's got some, some deeper meaning here, I think, that sometimes we miss. And In Matthew chapter 10, in verse 42, it, it says this, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. In, the East, in, in that culture, water was drawn up by, by, from the well every morning. Typically, the housewife would bring in the supply of water for the day, and, and they would go get it early in the morning, and, and they would stand ready for use as the day went on. And as the day went on, most of you would understand what would happen to that water is it would begin to warm up. It, it would take on the temperature of the room, and it would no longer be cold. So it would be, we think of it as, if you take our 21st century mindset to this, to give a cup of cold water to somebody, boy, that's not hard, is it? I mean, we have it pretty easy. You know, if I want a cup of cold water, I go and I get a cup, and I put ice in it, and I go to my water cooler, because it's already cooled it down for me, right? And we push the button, and we have, a la, cold water. That's easy for us to think about. That's easy for us to do. I'm going to give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. That's not hard. Yesterday, we gave cold bottles of water in Jesus' name. 
But this mindset of the audience that Jesus is talking to is a little different. They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have water coolers. He says this, he says, so, so a lot of times we, we, he says, give a cold cup of water to one of these little ones who's my disciple. I truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. That the kindness of just simply offering and giving a cold cup of water that you would have to go to the trouble to go to the well and draw it. You would have to take the trouble of go and bring it straight from the well to the person because at, it's going to warm up as it goes. So you had to use, you had to be fast about it. And if it was in the heat of the day, you would even have to probably run a little bit to make sure that that was cold. How many times do we, instead of giving a cold cup of water, we give a cup of whatever water we have to save ourselves from extra work of giving a cold cup? Are you following me? Are you following what, I want, what, what the Lord's saying here? I believe that this cold cup of water, it's in no ways you're going to not lose your reward. The principle here would seem to be that going out of your way by making sacrifices to help may have lasting reward. You know, when you fall in love with someone, that they're your only desire. When you fall in love with someone, they're your only desire. You're provoked to see how much you can show your love to them. <laughs> it's a natural, this is, this is a natural thing when you fall in love with somebody. Do you know that? When I fell in love with my wife, whew, it was natural. It was easy. And today, almost 24 years of marriage later, it's still easy. Because I love her. And there's things that I'll do to show her that I love her. It's not hard for me. It, this isn't like a, a spur, like kicking. It's your anniversary. Come on. It's her birthday. Come on. Right? You know, those calendar dates don't like spur me. It's not like something that kicks me in the side and says, come on, you got to get something. Right? Now, I will say this. There are some things I know that she don't like that I've found out over the years. <laughs> Doesn't mean I love her less. It just means that I was kind of stupid about what I gave her. But it's not hard for us to do those kind of things. We should have the same attitude toward others when we love Christ because Jesus told us this. The two greatest commandments was that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and that we love people. And if we can't get to the place where we love people enough to love them and show them that we love, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds toward one another, I challenge our walk with Christ. 
Because once you have this vertical relationship with the Lord and you get to the place where it says, I love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, with all everything I have, I give to you. It's a byproduct because now the Jesus that you're worshiping now lives inside of you. And so if the Jesus that I'm worshiping lives inside of me, that should be evident in how I treat other people. You know what I think gets in our way? Okay, I'm not going to speak for you. You know what I think gets in my way sometimes? Me. Me. Oh, but I've got, you don't understand my schedule. Oh, but you don't understand what, what I've got going on. I ain't got, ah, I can't do that. They might make fun of me, David. I can't do that. I can't have that go on. No. And what do we do? We shy away from this idea of spurring one another on because we're so afraid that we'll offend somebody in the process that instead of it being an encouragement, we just shy away and step back. And we think, oh, well, you know, each one of, then we get all scriptural with it. Each person should work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what the Bible says. And while that's true, there is a point to where aren't we supposed to be the body of Christ? And doesn't the body of Christ help one another? Aren't we supposed to be encouraging and, and, and spurring and provoking one another on to do good? And so when somebody comes up and asks you, hey, have you thought about the, this, using your, your gift and your talents and your ministry to teach or to, to do something or to, to, to allow God to allow you to do this in ministry, to play or to sing or whatever? Isn't that kind of spurring one another on? And so many times we lack that self-confidence, don't we? Like, oh, I could never do that. I can't, I can't, I, I'm, 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 and we, we, we kind of get like Moses, and we, we, we start to stutter a little, little bit, and no, 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 God, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even talk, talk right, and God says, I'm not looking for your ability, I'm just looking to see, will you be willing, I'm not looking to see how much talent you have, I've given you everything you need. I just want to know, will you follow me? And will you touch the lives of people? I think so many times we, 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 we get to that place where we don't want, to, don't want to talk to people about this idea of, of serving the Lord. We would rather just kind of let them do their own thing. But this writer says we need to, to provoke one another toward good things and good works. Have you ever thought about, <laughs> this is going to be funny, if you live in certain parts of the region, you probably do, Canadian geese? <laughs> if you live close to Jackson Park or maybe some other park, you've probably thought about geese. And you think, wow, there are a lot of geese. And when you have a lot of geese... <laughs> I think you're going, you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? Or what they're putting down, maybe. I don't know, right? 
But there's something about geese when they fly together. Have you ever thought about why they fly in that V formation? There have been a lot of people that talk about the aerodynamics of it, and that's true. Um, they, they, there have been scientists that have calculated the, the wind tunnel effects that happens in such a V formation that you know, when the lead goose is, is flying, once they get tired, they are able then to go to the end and another person steps up into the lead and they begin to take off. And what happens is as you get farther back, the load gets lighter as you're flying in this V formation. Isn't that what we do as the body of Christ? Hmm. When all the geese do their part in this formation, the whole flock has a 71% greater flight range. When everybody does their part and they all stay in that V formation and they don't get crazy, they don't start going on their own, doing their own thing, they don't forsake coming together. Oh my goodness, there's another part of that passage of scripture that we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Pastor, don't go there. It's summertime. Too late. When when we all get together and we're all flying and we're not doing our own thing and we're all kind of flying together, there's a 71% greater chance that we'll go farther. Whew. In the body of Christ, the same principle holds true. When we are all together and moving as one accord, letting the Holy Spirit lead us, the one who's in the front is the Holy Spirit of God leading us and guiding us. And when we come in together and we start to form this, this body of Christ, if you will, we get more done in the kingdom because we are together. But there's one other thing that happens with the goose. With the geese, the goose. Whenever one of them starts to stray off, they'll let out a loud honk. I don't know what it sounds like. Probably like, honk. No, that's probably not it. <laughs> the only geese I've ever encountered were going <laughs> ready to attack me as I've got my golf club in my hand. <laughs> Let's take a little lesson from another lesson from the geese here. The church needs to fly in a spiritual V formation. And as we fly together, if one of us starts to get off on our own, there needs to be some honking that takes place. To where if someone starts to miss some weeks, someone starts to disengage from the body of Christ, Someone starts to do things and, and we see them out and they're doing things that aren't pleasing the Lord. They're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They're, they're not living for God in the way that they should be. There needs to be some honking in love. Some holy honking. Not just in your car. Right? To where we're saying, hey, listen, I love you, and we miss you, and you need to be plugged in a place where you're feeling God's presence, and you need to be growing in him, and as we come together as the church body, we need to be, that, that helps us to flow together as we move. Let us consider one another.
Let us spur one another on, the Word of God says, toward love and good deeds. The kind of love that's used here is the word agape love, the deepest kind of love. I love that it says, consider how. Did you catch that? There's two words that are very good. Consider. Considering something means that you're involving in your mind. Right? It just didn't happen. I gave it some serious consideration. I gave it some serious thought. I didn't just pop on it, and it's just like, oh, well, let's just make it happen. I actually considered. Let us consider. Did you know discipleship is a thought-provoking experience? Moving forward in your relationship with God, helping others move forward in their relationship with God, it doesn't just happen. How do you know it doesn't just happen? Because the devil doesn't want it to happen, so he's going to put everything he can, all of his efforts into it. Man, you gave your heart to the Lord? Woo, that's great. I'm going to put all my efforts now to get you back. He says, man, I lost somebody, but I'm going to do everything I can to get them back. And we love it when people give their hearts to the Lord. But it's not just about decisions. It's about commitment. It's about growing with God. And that's what this whole idea of spurring one another on leads us to. Is that growth and that discipleship. But that doesn't just happen. We have to mentally prepare to do that. And then he says this. Consider how. How. How is one of those words that requires us to have some action? You can't just think about it. You ever just thought about something? Thought, oh, man, that'd be great. And then go back to sleep in your recliner and say, yeah, maybe someday. Right? We do that a lot, right? Man, it'd be great to take that vacation with the family sometime. Ooh. Man, it'd be great to actually go and, and serve and, and do something for, for the kingdom of God, man. I've given, God's given me this ability and talent to, to do artwork, and man, it'd be great if I did some of that for the kingdom. It's not just the considering. It's the action that goes with it. It's not just thinking about it. It's about putting actions to it. Let us consider how. Let us have a plan and consider an action that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And the fruit of that comes in a group of people, a church that is moving and doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. I've got more in my notes, but I just feel like I need to stop right there. I think it's time for us, church, to, number one, understand who we are, that God has called us, that we have the presence of God in our life, and that God is living and breathing on the inside. It's your breath in our lungs, so I'll pour out my praise. I think the second thing we need to understand is this. As we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's our responsibility to love one another that way. And how do I love one another? 
It's not just always about telling you what you want to hear. <laughs> you know, I go back to this relationship because I think the Lord uses the relationship of husband and wife to kind of talk about his, his relationship with the church, with the bride of Christ, right? And I go back to my relationship with my wife. There are some things that she tells me I don't want to hear. She left the room so I can say this. <laughs> Bless God. And none of you will go run and tell her, will you? <laughs> there are some things that she'll tell me that I don't want to hear. I think you should have done this. Why didn't you consider this? And she's right. That's what makes it harder, is that she's right. And in the same way, you know, I can't, there are times when I tell her, you know, honey, have you thought about this? Yeah, I did. And it spurs her in a different direction. We grow from each other. It's the same way with the body of Christ. We grow from one another. We learn from one another. And what brings us together is not the fact that we're provoking one another to anger. We're provoking one another to love. Why? Because we love each other. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. And then finally, man, if you're outside of that V formation, I hope you hear this today. I hope you hear the holy honk that says, hey, we need you. The body of Christ, we need you. If you're here watching on video, if you're here watching or listening by the internet, or maybe you're here in this sanctuary today, I just want you to know we need you. The body of Christ because when we all come together and God builds us, the longer and the bigger, and, and you may think, well, I big church, I don't know. You know, the cool thing about it is, is when the Holy Spirit leads us, he leads us wherever he wants us to go. And as we continue to reach souls and reach people for the kingdom, and, and this, this church of Jesus Christ begins to grow, it's not just about Byesville Assembly of God. It's about growing the kingdom of God. And we need to be involved in growing God's kingdom. That's what we've been called to do. And if you're going to be out doing your own thing, or like, oh, this doesn't matter, I can tell you this, that those who discommunicate or pull themselves out of the environment of church, I've lived a long enough time. I've been in ministry all over a quarter of a century, and I can tell you this. I have never seen anybody spiritually growing. Connected. That's not connected somehow, some way to the body of Christ. There may be a few. I'll throw that out there. There may be a few. But what do you think the chances are of you being one of those few? I'm just being real. Let's be real. Because I really think that God's called us to something bigger than what necessarily, and maybe he's calling you to something bigger than what you're doing even now. God's called us to great things. Why? Because he's coming soon. And we've got people to reach. And we can reach them together. We can go farther together. 
than we can individually. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that that you loved us so much. I think that I can't comprehend how great your love is for me. That while I was still a sinner, Jesus, you came and died for me. I can't contemplate how, how amazing that is in my, in my mind today. And Lord, as, as we sang this morning, those, those courses that, that talked about how holy and awesome and powerful and amazing you are, God, today I, I'm, I'm standing here and, and my awe for you is so big. I love you, Lord. And God, as, as us, as the body of Christ, help us to take that same love that we have for you and share it with one another. We're supposed to be spurring one another on toward love, toward good deeds, spurring one another on to see kingdom purposes uh, fulfilled, spurring one another on to reach people for Jesus. Because time is short. That passage says, don't let us forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. But all the more, encourage each other. Get the word out. Talk about Jesus. Spread the life. Because why? As you see the day, capital D, day approaching. God, as I look at the world around me, I see the day approaching. So Lord, I pray put something inside of us that would fight through complacency put something inside of us that would fight through apathy put something inside of us that would fight through selfishness and laziness that would get us to the place of saying Jesus I want you more than I want anything else I want to see people come to you I want to be a discipler I want to be somebody that can take the take someone and touch them for the Lord and, and just be there for them and watch them grow in their walk with you, with you. God, help us to be disciple makers, to spur one another on, to provoke one another on toward good deeds and love. Help us, God. I'm going to invite you to stand with me across this sanctuary this morning. We're going to conclude our service this way. I want to say a prayer over us today with just asking God to anoint us and to use us in that way. If you're someone here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Joe, I'm, 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 my processes are going. I'm, I'm thinking through this. Holy Spirit's dealing with you. And, and you're someone that says, you know what, I, I get what that's saying. And, and I want to, I want to, commit myself to the Lord that says, I want to be a disciple maker. It says, I want to love God intentionally. I want to love God with all my heart. And I want to love people. And I want to see people grow and come to know Christ. Today, if, if that's you, as we close in prayer, as we have this prayer time, I want you to make that commitment to the Lord. You're not making it to me. I'm not sitting up here with a notepad taking names. You're committing it to the Lord. And during this prayer, here's what I just want you to do. I just want you to just, God, you can count on me. 
Just slip up your hand and say, God, you can count on me. I'll be a disciple maker. God, you can count on me. I'll be somebody that will spur someone on. I'll be someone that will be there for somebody. If I have to give a holy honk, you can count on me to do that. God, if you need me to do whatever it is, God, I'll be there. I'm your person. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'll do that. So as we pray today, as, as, as I begin to pray this anointing, would you just slip up your hand? Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that are up, Lord? And God, we, you can count on us. We want to be the body of Christ. We want to be the church, Lord, today. A church that loves you with all their heart. A church that loves people. A church that wants to see people come to know Jesus. A church that wants to see people discipled. A church that wants to see people come to not only experience you in such a great way, but also a church that wants to see them grow in their word, not just in the presence, but in in the power of the word of God applied to their life and let all of that grow into this awesome disciple of Jesus. Father, today we commit ourselves to do that. You can count on us, Lord. You can count on me, God. I want to be a disciple maker. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray that you be with us this week. Because, Lord, I'm a firm believer that whenever something like this is given to us from your word, God, there's opportunities even this week for us to take action. So, God, I pray, give us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, quicken our hearts, quicken our minds. Even this afternoon as we're relaxing, I pray that we would consider how, consider how we can make an impact, to think about how we can make a change, to think about how we can make a difference in someone's life. So God, I pray, let that be our prayer today as we leave. Because there's a world out there that needs to hear. There are people out there that need to be discipled. God, we need to be serious. Time is short. and We need to be following your lead. God, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.